Hello everyone and welcome to the second in our bonus episode series on Holy Week. Today we're going to talk about Monday, following Palm Sunday. And here we will begin in Matthew, continuing with Matthew chapter 21, we'll begin in verse 18, and then I want to discuss something. Now in the morning, when he was returning to the city, the city would be, here would be Jerusalem, he became hungry, seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, How did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now, Critics of the Bible have found a what they consider a mistake or discrepancy in Scripture here found in the Gospel accounts. Matthew says, all at once the tree withered. And then the disciples question, how did this occur? The Mark, on the other hand, has a different account. And we will go there in Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry, seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf. He went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Then they came to Jerusalem. Okay, so we have a difference here, right? The, there is no result, of the instant result of the tree being destroyed. Now, your critics will say, Okay, here it is. The, the, the scriptures are in not in agreement here. Matthew is doing something that the other gospel writers don't do to the degree that he does, which is take shorthand. Remember, once again, as I stated, that he was a publican. The man wrote copious and would have written copious notes. So he could, from his memory, de decipher his notes and then write the fuller account. In this instance, Matthew continues the story into what happened. It's still instantaneous for Jesus to have cursed a tree one morning and the next morning take them and show them the destroyed tree. This is still a miracle. It's still an overnight event. The difference in Matthew is Matthew is making a summation of the story, and he carries it over into one event. Mark, on the other hand, continues the story and comes back to it later saying that the tree had been uh, destroyed. He puts it as, in verse 20, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, reminded of what had occurred the day before, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. So we just see a slightly different view on the account. It's not one is telling something completely different than the other. I still believe this was the same event. I don't think it's a separate fig tree cursing. I just think they're told from two different writers. Give the writers room to breathe and understand that. It's not a matter of the Bible is, a, is it error or the Bible is lying. It's the way the writer chose to record it. They, they are different men. Remember that. The Holy Spirit is empowering them to write, but they are different men writing at, writing at a different time about the same event. 
And if you don't believe you can have that and that they were eyewitnesses, you can just imagine if you had 12, 12 people in a room and you show them something and you take it away and you give them just a brief example of something and you take it away from them and you ask them to record what they just saw, you're going to get 12 different accounts. Some will be similar. Some might be close to the same, but there will be differences because you have different men. It does not take away from the accuracy of, this, accuracy of the event. So on, on this next day, on, on Monday, Jesus has gone out from Bethany, which he had returned to the night before. He goes back into Jerusalem. Matthew's account gives him cursing the fig tree, and following that, he goes into the temple and begins to teach again. He teaches several things at this time. He gives the parable of the two sons. He gives the parable of the landowner. And he talks about the parable of the marriage feast and compares it to the kingdom of heaven. Let's read this one in 22. I think it's an important one. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready. But those who invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you find there invite to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man who was not dressed in wedding clothes, and he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him, hand and foot, Throw him into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, so what was this parable about? (laughs) Seems awful violent, scary. What was this about? The king gave the wedding feast for his son. Jesus had told a similar uh, parable, slightly different, in Luke 14. That will be found in Luke 14, 16-23. But here the the banquet was, was for the king's own son. This is why he was enraged, because the people were apathetic, and they refused to come. They didn't didn't care, and they rejected the son. King had invited, the father had invited them to the son. (laughs) This is a personal slight against the king, John MacArthur says. Also, here they actually mistreated and killed the king's messengers. This is an unthinkable affront to the king's goodness. I got this, this last passage I read to you was from MacArthur's study Bible notes. So, What does the king do then? He sends out more slaves, more servants, and he sends them out to invite others out into the streets, out into the highways and the byways. What you're seeing here is a kingdom parable, and it's a picture of what was occurring there in first century Judea. God, the father, the king, had sent his son, the the heir apparent, the king, the, the true Lord, and he was inviting them to the feast. Who was he inviting? The Jews first. So the Jews had been invited to come to the kingdom, to come to the wedding. And they do what? They reject the king's invitation. And then they do what? Some destroy the servants of the king. They kill them, his messengers, his slaves. This is a sign of killing the prophets and then later destroying the bodies of the apostles who would be called out of this twelve. And so we're getting a, a sort of vision of what was occurring then, what had occurred in the past with Israel and its rejection of God, plan, and then a future church age rejection. 
And so then in verse 7, we see that the king becomes enraged, right, over this affront. And he sends out his armies to destroy the murderers, and he sets their city on fire. What's this about? The Jews would have their city set on fire and when? AD 70. Jerusalem's destroyed. The temple is, is destroyed. Destroyed and reduced to rubble. So you have here, you have a prophecy of what was coming because they would not accept the invitation. Now, when he said, invite people from all, go into the highways and invite people, whether good or evil, he's saying, go even to the outsiders. Go to who? who? The unclean, the unwashed, the Gentiles, the uncircumcised. Invite them in. And they come. They accept the invitation and they come. So you have some Jews, but you have the majority of the Gentiles, the outsiders. They're invited in from the highways. Now look, at, at this time, the highways were what? Roman roads had been built, and so you could go from Judea to other parts of the empire fairly quickly through these well-made roads. They were paved with stone. Now you have the, the, the wedding crasher <laughs> found in uh, verses 11. He sees the man who was not dressed in the wedding clothes. He's not prepared. He's not supposed to be there. John MacArthur says, don't view him as a common party crasher. In fact, all the guests were rounded up hastily from the streets, and therefore none could be expected to come with proper attire. That means the wedding garments were supplied by the king himself. So the king gave them the attire to put on. And this one wasn't clothed. So what are you seeing here, right? He's purposely rejected the gracious gifts that God has provided him. This is a rejection again, once again, of God's good, gracious gifts. So this man's there, but he comes in his own righteousness, his own garments and tries to join the wedding. This is a view of that false believer or that self-righteous religious man who tries to come to, G come to God some other way except through the invitation to the Son. And so he's taken and then what, is, what occurs to him? He's thrown into the place of outer darkness. He's bound where the, in a place where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth because the invitation is given to many, says, many are called in verse 14, few are chosen. I think you have a concept of election found here. The idea that God has elected some. There's a general call to all to repent, but not all are going to repent. There's only some that have been chosen in Christ. That's through the calling of the Father, the invitation of the Father. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. We come to the realization of our need for a Savior. We repent, confess Jesus. He is our Lord. And then we're placed into Christ, into the body of Christ. We are given eternal life. And those that do not accept the invitation are given everlasting torment, banished to the place of outer darkness. That's all we're going to cover today for, for Monday, and I wish you a blessed day and hope you have a good Holy Week.